You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience. This is Daniel Horowitz in the house of common sense at CR's headquarters. This is Wednesday, September 6th. We are going on air about a day early here. I usually put one out towards the end of the week. Um, because I can't go on any longer, and I I just have to let loose. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to survive the month of September, but in some ways they're making it easier by capitulating all at once. Today is the day that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi became president. Donald Trump is the biggest never-Trumper around. The breath and depth of this capitulation defies logic. It is beyond anything I've ever imagined. Now, as you guys know who've been with me from day one throughout the turmoil of the presidential primary, on paper, nothing surprises me. Trump is who Trump is. He's not ideological. He is not playing with a full deck. He literally will spew forth the talking points of the last cable show, cable news show that he just watched. If it's and this, is why I always say it's so important. Conservatives get in his face because then he'll say our talking points. Five minutes later, he'll say the talking points of of anyone else. For those of you who haven't watched yet, the spectacular capitulation on the budget is just astounding. These are all opportunities. You have the House. You have the Senate. You have the White House. You have control of everything. You have a budget bill where you could fund your priorities and defund things that you don't believe in. You have the debt ceiling where you have the opportunity to finally use that leverage to say, like any other you know moment where you have a credit line that's up and say, we need, before we extend any more credit, we need to get our fiscal house in order. But again, that is only for a party that wants to do that. That's only for a party that actually shares our values. The party shares our values as much as the Democrats do. So they want to raise the debt ceiling. They want to pass budgets that fund Planned Parenthood, fund refugee resettlement, fund sanctuary cities, but don't fund the border wall as much as the Democrats do. Now, what happened here is that Republican leaders like McConnell and Ryan, they wanted to be a little bit more artful about the capitulation. Trump was straight up said, I'm going to show you how to capitulate in style. I'm going to show you how to be an alpha capitulator. The art of the kneel. Kneel and genuflect before Pelosi and Schumer. And that's what happened here. They basically, he basically said, we're going to pass a debt ceiling until December, which will then pass it again. Pass a budget until December, which will pass again. Giving them everything they want and attaching Harvey funding to it. What a disgrace. By the way, I mean, rather than forcing Democrats to vote straight up on just a clean funding so you could separate it out, um, don't violate the trust of the American people. You have you have a, bu- a, a budget bill on a separate standalone item. And make them vote for it done. Instead, this man agreed with Schumer and Pelosi 
to tie it all together, to tie it together with the rest of our fiscal house. In other words, at a time when we should double down on cutting government in order to pay for these past and impending disasters because this is when you actually need to spend money this is what we need it for like any family you save for a rainy day instead we double down and use this as manipulation to go and raise debt indefinitely i mean republicans got more when they just controlled the house than when they have all three branches Schumer and Pelosi are not just majority leaders of the House and Senate. They have now become president, and Trump has made them president. Trump has overturned the results of the election. He is the biggest never-Trumper. You see this on every single issue. You saw this on immigration this week, where finally it looked like he was going to do what he promised, but then he makes it even worse than Not doing it at all because he takes our messaging, takes our issue and smears it in feces in in the talking points of the other side and literally gives the other side the moral high ground on everything because he agrees to them. Just like he agreed on the debt ceiling. Oh, we have to raise it. Something so important. Remember, folks, the entire last year I was telling you this man is the embodiment of what's wrong with the party. Take everything that's wrong with the Republican Party, he's that times 100. He just had a unique understanding of what the base wanted and spoke to it while speaking against it. So here's what he does. He goes out, goes on Twitter, says what we want to do, and then a minute later, he'll say and do the opposite. So this week we saw with with the whole DACA business, so he waited seven months to continue Uh, hundreds of thousands, renewing hundreds of thousands of illegal social security cards, work permits, when he could have easily just declined to renew them. And then it says, all right, I'm going to end it. He has Jeff Sessions go out and say what we believe in, a very good statement. He puts out a statement, the official statement that Stephen Miller probably drafted was a pretty good statement. And then he goes on Twitter and then goes to the media and says, Congress needs to act. We care about the dreamers. Pass a law. So now we have, did we elect this man to go and advocate that we pass amnesty? That's what he's doing now. And just to give you a sense of what this guy is all about, um, let me just dig up the quote here. You know what? I'll, I'll go without the quote, actually. Um, but basically, let, let me give you some insider information, what I heard. Why is it that on the one hand in the memo that they put out, they went and said, oh, we're going to shut this off immediately, no new DACA cards, and then October 5th, we're going to stop renewing them. That's only another few months. I mean, only another few weeks. But then Trump keeps talking about six months. You have six months to pass it, or I'll pass it for you, which is another problem in itself. Imagine that if you tell your kids, you better clean up your room. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it myself. <laughs> That's what he says. DACA is unconstitutional. It's horrible. Go pass it now. Um, and if you don't, I'll continue the unconstitutional amnesty. This man is retarded. This man is not playing with a full deck. So where did this six months come from? If he's only continuing it for another few weeks, what does he mean six months? 
so what I heard was that six months was the Jared plan. This is what Jared and Ivanka were were telling him to do. In other words, basically never get rid of it. You just say, oh, there's six months, and then when it comes six months, of course, you'll continue it. But then he heard Bannon say the Trump presidency is over with, so he got all insulted, so he had the need to go and do this. And by the way, also part of why he did this was because of the 10 attorneys general that were going to sue him in court. And in in the one few, in one of the few jurisdictions where the judge would side with us, because the judges are obviously doing the opposite everywhere else, they're siding with the illegals. But he, he was scared he was going to lose, so they forced his hand. He had no intention of fulfilling his promise, much like he had no intention of moving the embassy, no intention of ending the nonsense in Afghanistan, no intention of ending the Iran deal, no intention of end, ending the transgendered edict um, from religious liberty, you know, the whole religious liberty order. Much like he had no intention of funding the border wall. Ever. Much like he had no intention of clamping down on sanctuary cities. Much like he had no intention of really ending refugee resettlement. Much like he had no intention of what he said, dealing with the debt, reducing the debt fairly quickly. See where that went. So this is what he what happened. He He had no intention, but then he had to do it because of the attorneys general. But then what happened thereafter is that Jared whispered in his ear the six-month business. Now, ultimately, he went with something else. But he's still messaging the Jared plan. So what is the real plan? What is the real Trump agenda? The answer is there is no Trump agenda. Go into a mental asylum and, and try to say, oh, you're a populist, you're a conservative, you're a moderate. The guy is nothing. The guy's insane. You know, Many people don't want to hear this, but it's as clear as day now that Trump is bragging about coordinating with Pelosi and Schumer on selling out the legacy. By the way, we thought April was historic when Republicans got run over by a parked car. Trump signed on to a budget bill that signed that that funded every single Democrat priority, the Obamacare bailout, Puerto Rico bailout, high speed rail. But it didn't have the promised cuts to the EPA, didn't have the promised military spending, didn't have the border wall, didn't clamp down on sanctuary cities, refugees, yada, yada. We thought you couldn't beat that. But then he had Mick Mulvaney, and he was hinting to this in April. Oh, no, 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 this was the last year budget. Wait till the next time. Isn't it funny how quickly he learned the ways of the GOP establishment? The next time, the next time. I've been doing this. I've been writing about the budget betrayals since Republicans took over the House in 2011. There's been about 20 of them. Same story. Oh, no, the next time. Then we come to the next time, and they erase the previous history as if it didn't exist. The next time, the next time. So we're at the next time, and I was like, no, 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 let's punt it to December. But to, to get rid of all of our leverage on the budget and the debt ceiling in one shot, thereby ruining not, not defunding Planned Parenthood, not having the immigration priorities set, not funding the wall, not having our, our priorities, and not getting anything in return for the debt ceiling. But even worse, insidiously tying it to Harvey to make conservatives say, hey, you're going to be on the hook for that. Which in itself is nonsense, this whole business. I don't even want to get started with that, the way they do this emergency funding. But it, it, it's really simple where this man is coming from. It is very, very simple. You know, kind of like Jeremiah, 
back in, in Indiana, during the Indiana primary, the day Ted Cruz dropped out, he had a, there's a three-minute clip. I'm going to try to play all of it for you if you haven't heard it or if you don't remember it or if you just want to hear it again where he unloaded on him. And whether you like it or not, this has been proven to be evergreen. This is very, very true, every word of it. Let's l- let's roll this and we'll we'll comment on it. I'm going to do something I haven't done for the entire campaign, for those of y'all who have traveled with me all across the country. I'm going to tell you what I really think of Donald Trump. This man is a pathological liar. He doesn't know the difference between truth and lies. He lies practically every word that comes out of his mouth. And in a pattern that I think is straight out of a psychology textbook, his response is to accuse everybody else of lying. He accuses everybody on that debate stage of lying. And it's simply a mindless yell. Whatever he does, he accuses everyone else of doing. The man cannot tell the truth, but he combines it with being a narcissist. A narcissist at a level I don't think this country's ever seen. Donald Trump is such a narcissist that Barack Obama looks at him and goes, dude, what's your problem? Everything in Donald's world is about Donald. And he combines being a pathological liar. And I say pathological because I actually think Donald, if you hooked him up to a lie detector test, he could say one thing in the morning, one thing at noon, and one thing in the evening, all contradictory, and he'd pass the lie detector test each time. Whatever lie he's telling at that minute, he believes it. Yes, he does. But the man is utterly amoral. Let me finish this, please. The man is utterly amoral. Morality does not exist for him. It's why he went after Heidi directly and smeared my wife, attacked her. Apparently, she's not pretty enough for Donald Trump. I may be biased, but I think if he's making that allegation, he's also legally blind. But Donald is a bully. You know, we just visited with fifth graders. Every one of us knew bullies in elementary school. Bullies don't come from strength. Bullies come from weakness. Bullies come from a deep yawning cavern of insecurity. There is a reason Donald builds giant buildings and puts his name on them everywhere he goes. And I will say, there are millions of people in this country who are angry. They're angry at Washington. They're angry at politicians who've lied to them. I understand that anger. I share that anger. And Donald is cynically exploiting that anger. And he is lying to his supporters. Donald will betray his supporters on every issue. If you care about immigration, Donald is laughing at you. And he's telling the money to elites. He doesn't believe what he's saying. He's not going to build a wall. That's what he told the New York Times. He will betray you on every issue across the board. Every issue across the board, folks. I'm telling you, again, I know some of you, you know, we have a diverse audience here. Some of you might not want to hear this and are still very attached to the man. Um, I understand. I'm attached to the things he says that I like. 
that he cynically manipulates because he knows where the base is. He knows where the anger is. He understands where people are. But if I if I had to give a three minute summation of Trump's presidency, even after knowing what he did, even having the luxury of the last eight months behind us, I couldn't have done a better job than Cruz did, um, you know, a year and a half ago. That is exactly the point. He could say the same things morning, afternoon and night or say different things and literally believe them each time. And not understand the mutual exclusivity of them. His cabinet members will say one thing. His official press statements will say another. His tweets will say another. His interviews with another person will say another. But in the end, in terms of the discernible policy outcomes, you know, my friend uh, Shannon Joy uh, has taken my, my term here and calls it the DPOs. Show me the DPOs. Discernible policy outcomes. It's always what the Democrats want. He is betraying us on every single issue, and he is doing that in spectacular fashion where he is now betraying us even to the left of where McConnell was betraying us. Even McConnell and Ryan were appalled by what he did today, giving the Democrats everything they wanted and bragging about it. You can't make this stuff up, folks. And and what is so pathological about this is that Days ago, he criticized Mitch McConnell for doing much less. Mitch McConnell was talking about, you know, raising the debt ceiling and doing it, you know, unconditionally and not getting any spending cuts in return. He was like, that's crazy. You're selling me out, Mitch. And then he does it even worse. All along, Mnuchin, his own Treasury Secretary, was pushing for the same stuff. I mean, this is absolutely crazy. But yet our people are so distracted. Defending him, this, the media. This has nothing to do with the media. The media can't believe it. They're stunned. They got everything they wanted. They couldn't have done a better job. The media was defeated. They don't have power. Now, don't get me wrong. I spent a couple of days not defending Trump, but defending the ideas that of one of the five things he says, one of them was this. And I defended it, not because it's Trump, because I want to give people a sense of what we stand for and what we should be doing. And if, you know, it spawns a discussion over immigration and sovereignty, I'm going to talk about sovereignty. Now, whether Trump believes in that, he doesn't believe in anything. The only thing he understands is that to a certain extent, he understands where the GOP base is, why he was elected, and the need to once in a while speak to that and then countermand it five seconds later. You know what's funny? There is more acrimony than ever before in this country, in our body politic. Yet the two parties completely agree on everything. Now again, Trump is not the source of the problem. He's just the embodiment of it. He's a continuation of it. He's just stepping on the gas pedal. You know, we're Trump to leave tomorrow, where Mike Pence, you know, I think Mike Pence is more of an honorable man, but Pence is, has completely lost it, like every other Republican. There's nothing there. The entire party will never work for us. When are we going to understand that? It's like, you know, you go to a former friend's house that became your enemy, and he tells you, get the heck out of my house. And you just don't leave until he grabs you by the shirt collar and throws you out. When are we going to realize that they don't want us on the plantation anymore? They don't want conservatives. They care about the cartel. 
It's where their donors are. It's funny. You want to know their focus and priorities. There are so many emergency issues. There's sanctuary cities. There's North Korea. There's Iran. There's healthcare, but I mean fixing healthcare for Americans, for physicians, and for patients. But no, the emergency is bailing out the insurance cartel and giving amnesty. Why? Because that's where the donors are. Now, I put out a chart today in my piece on, and again, you know, we're so distracted by Trump here, we're still going to focus on issues. And I have a piece out on the latest development with the insurance bailout, Lamar Alexander's congressional hearings that he's holding with the John Kasich bailout plan. And one of the things we have here is a chart of the biggest lobbyist of 2017. Who are the top lobbyists? Who are the big dogs? Five of the top six are directly or indirectly healthcare. They're the healthcare cartel. Um, number one, of course, the Chamber of Commerce. Now, they're more broad, um, but they are very passionate about fixing, bailing out Obamacare, not repealing it. They have spent $40 million on lobbying the first, I believe, the first seven months of the year. That's It goes through July. Um, next is, number two is not, not um, this. It's National Association of Realtors. They're also... Market distortions, they're horrible. Cartel, too, but that's a different story. 21 million. But the next 14 million, 12 million, 12 million, and 10 million is Pharma, American Medical Association, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and the American Hospital Association. The very vermin that have destroyed healthcare in America. And you know what's funny? The AMA, the American Medical Association, just came out with a story, with a um, statement demanding that we pass amnesty. So you see the convergence of the healthcare cartel and the open borders cartel. They're the same people that Jeff Sessions always called the masters of the universe. They're the ones controlling everything. And by the way, just as an aside, not to go too far off track, the funny thing is the AMA is responsible. They're kind of like a labor union for the incumbent status quo powers of the healthcare field. So they are doing everything they can to use the boot of government, the regulatory scheme to block out any competition, any innovation, any new ideas, whether it's, you know, healthcare extenders having expanding their scope of practice, you know, alternatives, dock in a box, um, the certification process, the uh, medical school certification, the training Everything gets funneled through them. The medical codes, everything, they they are basically a quasi-GSE, government-sponsored ent- ent- entity. So they're doing everything they can to lock up supply. That's a big thing that people forget when you talk about healthcare. We always look at the demand side and insurance of the customers. We don't look at the supply side of healthcare is really what's driving up the cost. They're restricting the supply. So they have the temerity to come out and say, this is horrible not having the lovely dreamers that we're going to prevent more doctors, people from becoming doctors, which is just a joke because say what you want. I know that's not politically correct, but you know, you have a lot of doctors from Asia, from you know India, from different places. There really are not a lot from the countries of origin of, of you know the, the illegal aliens for the most part. So whatever. But anyway, they have the nerve to say they're worried about supply. This is – we're not going to have enough doctors. Why are they obsessed with amnesty? The same reason everyone is. Everyone. I don't care if you're in the housing business. I don't care if you're in healthcare. I don't care if you're in you know, the ethanol business. 
if you are an elite, you th- there's a set of ethos. The same reason why every big business has to support the homosexual agenda, transgenderism, refugees. It's the same thing. It's all part of the masters of the universe. These are the people that they're listening to. We the people are cut out. And now Donald Trump, who tapped into this, who ran on all of this, is now laughing all the way to the bank. He's meeting with these very people and agreeing to everything they want. He is giving the Democrats everything they want. And then when we try to fight it, he undermines us at every every point. Judge Roy Moore, you got to go to his Senate website. Moore for Senate, I believe. And uh, you got to donate to him because... Luther Strange is now putting out ads saying because he got Trump's endorsement, Rory Moore is against Trump. Now, really, Rory Moore is for the Trump agenda. When I say the Trump agenda, it means the agenda for which people projected upon him and for which they've cast their ballots for him. But in essence, much like Luther Strange and Mitch McConnell and uh, Paul Ryan and obviously, Stephen Law, all the people running the Senate Leadership Fund, Carl Rove's crowd, Donald Trump himself is the ultimate never-Trumper. He comes out several minutes, several hours, several days later in any given scenario, and he dumps on his very own messaging, his very own policies. But the truth be told, they're not his policies because he has no policies. His policies are a reflection, a response to the last thing he heard on cable news. That's what he does all day. He watches Fox News. And he will govern accordingly. I, I, I'm just beside myself. I, I cannot believe not that I can't believe we're in this situation, but that not enough people have you know, woken up to this. Are we going to spend the next three and a half years just exclusively defending this? At least if you're going to focus on Trump, get in his face and be the strongest voice in his face. So at least he does what we want until the clock runs out as badly as he'll message it and sabotage our messaging on it. At least we'll get what we want. But, but instead, we're just focused on this phony fight. I, I mean, pinch yourself if you don't realize. Republicans control all three branches. Look, you know, originally Republicans just had the House. Then in 2014, they took back the Senate. The first budget fight, if you remember the omnibus bill in late 2015, Chuck Schumer came out with a statement and said, if you would have told me a year ago, meaning before Republicans had the Senate when they only had the House, that we would have a budget bill and we would get more than what we asked for, I wouldn't believe you. That was with Obama's president. Could you ever imagine thinking that you'd have a Republican president in addition to Republican Congress and them getting literally more than what they got when Obama was president? This is the Republican Party. It is perfidious. This is who they are. How many times do you have to walk in the door to see your spouse um, cheating, you know, laying in bed with someone else to not believe what your eyes are seeing and getting so involved in the excuses and the process and, well, I don't know, maybe default, uh, we don't have the time, it's too much on the plate, the Senate parliamentarian, the filibuster. No, it has nothing to do with that. They don't want to do what we want to do. They want to capitulate. They just didn't want to do it as obvious as Trump wanted to do it. Hey, God bless him. At least Trump is being honest about it here. 
just straight up. But ultimately, it was it was the the most dishonest thing. At some point, the tab comes due. Stop taking it personal. I'm not here to say I was right during the primary. I take no pride in that. The important thing is, what do we do henceforth? And and the first step is recognizing the problem, not lying to yourself. The reason why I keep doing this for a living is because in order to return to God, you have to slay Baal. You have to slay all the false idols. And until we do that, until as long as there still is some sort of false idol onto which we could project our hopes and aspirations, we're never going to do the right thing. Oh, maybe Trump could save us. No, he's not saving you. He's become part of the problem. And in, in some cases, stepping on the gas pedal. He is the problem. As, as well as McConnell, Ryan, and all these people. From this time until next year, we need to start a new party. And we need to start looking, because it's so hard to build a new party from ground up, to shoot for the moon, to field our own candidate. We need to think out of the box. Field our own candidate as an independent and run on the actual Trump agenda that he actually ran on, but do it from a principled standpoint, actually mean it and actually message it properly, smartly, articulately. Oh, and by the way, actually like believe in God and ask God for forgiveness and share our values. That would go a long way. You're seeing this in the polling data. Trump's approval is in the toilet, but the Trump's agenda, and I say that facetiously, is, is popular. People are starving for it. They're appalled at what both parties are doing. That's the good news. We didn't lose that. We've no, Our issues never lost. They're more popular than ever. No one wants open borders. No one wants the insurance cartel. No one wants to genuflect before Iran and, and, and North Korea while flushing all our resolve in Afghanistan. By the way, in Afghanistan, you saw that news there. I'll link to in show notes. Um, I think our buddy Jordan's going to write about this. They dropped leaflets in Afghanistan somewhere informing them about an operation, and there was a picture of a dog. And evidently, that's offensive to Islam, and they went and apologized. So there, folks, is your new strategy in Afghanistan, the new strategy of being tough on terror. We're doubling down on failure. We're tripling down on it. This is not the art of the deal. This is the art of the steal of the voters and the art of the kneel to the Democrats. This is not what we voted for, but this is what we're going to continue to expose and from which we're going to rebuild something much greater and look to better horizons. Let's slay the false gods and return to the real God. In God we trust, not in Trump we trust, or in any of these people. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.